with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, your Jewish Patriot, Cindy Gross. and welcome to the Jewess Patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Thank you for listening and watching us through the Conservative Television of America channels, through Real Talk Radio 93.3 and 1010, uh, through the Black and White Network. And when you download us internationally, whether or not it's through Roku TV and Amazon Fire, or through iHeart, Spotify, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and anywhere you are listening or watching us. Thank you so much. We have a huge show tonight about one of my favorite topics, education and the next generation with two fantastic guests. But before we begin, of course, I'm inviting you into my opening pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Peril, which means sweet pearl in Jewish. And it's going to be brief to the point but it should have you so upset that when you stop watching the show and listening, you actually call your friends, start a discussion, and take some serious action. With less than 60 days left until the midterms, and when national elections, state elections, and local elections are on most people's minds, I can tell you every single day, the topic of education, even as schools are opening, is dwindling down the list of priorities, given the fact that President Biden has given a student loan forgiveness program to many under the age of 30, and that there is more concern about the price of food and even higher concerns about the record number of crimes going on in red and blue places. People will be going to the polls in anger and as a revolt against current politicians from both parties who are making lots of press conferences and speaking the right words, but are actually doing nothing. Well, I can tell you, education should be number one on the list. Because why do we have this crime and why do we have these prices the way they are and why are people so angry and people refusing to go to work? Because for almost three decades, the education system in our country has encouraged entitlement and failure. We know that. I've discussed it. You've seen it. You've seen all the parents on all the various media outlets, yet They aren't winning on uh, school board seats. They don't have the money to fight the teachers' unions. And education is going to go on. Democrats are better at getting out a message than Republicans are. And right now, the message they're getting out is mask mandates. Mask mandates are now over. They might come back right before Election Day or right after Election Day for 2023 and 2024. But right now, people want to go back to work. And so they're pushing for schools to be open. The Democrats are hearing it. And they're working together with the teachers unions to allow it. And with that comes more CRT, uh, more uh, parent exclusion, and more hate in the school system. I can't give you a better example than opening up this week's uh, New York Post one morning and seeing an article like this, a full page ad actually. CUNY Chancellor Matos Rodriguez silent on anti-Semitism and it gives exact dates. Why is it that it is okay to accept anti-Semitism? Because if you accept anti-Semitism, you're accepting anti-Judeo-Christian values in our schools. Why is it allowed? Why do these people keep getting huge jobs with huge salaries and benefits? Because we allow it. We're not fighting hard enough. 
Why is it allowed that in Minnesota, it's now public knowledge that teachers will be hired on the color of their skin and not their ability to teach? And this will become a 50 state rule. It's already happening. I've seen it unspoken in New York. I'm a victim of it. And so are many people I know. Schools could be failing. Schools could be unsafe. But the teachers unions, with the help, I might add, of Jewish leadership from the left and endorsed Democratic elected officials and judges get away with it. Why is it allowed that we have so much hate for students who think like conservatives and libertarians and Republicans on college campuses? And they fear going to class. They fear having clubs. Isn't this America? How many more school board meetings are going to be blocked from parents? People wake up. It's our taxpayer money, not the illegals who are taking advantage of our schools and the Democrats are allowing them to do it. When our generations before us came through Ellis Island, they went to a public school system that was safe, that was respected, and that everybody understood that they had to behave a certain way, learn reading and writing and math and American history and command the English language and make themselves graduate to provide for their families and the future of America. If we don't stand up to our education system and finally do something, we are lost forever. We're going to continue this conversation with our next guest. So sit back and stay tuned. And thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp Spirit and Liqueur Portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. Well, uh, the next guest is somebody so special. We are so excited to have him here because he is probably somebody that you don't know by name, but everything you associate with the media and Republicans and conservatives is connected to A.J. Rice. And A.J. Rice has a brand new book out, The Woking Dead, and it is just selling like hotcakes, and we are so honored to have him here. Everybody wants to interview him, and uh, we were lucky to get him. So, AJ, thanks so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Well, I got to tell you, it's, I've, I've done a lot of interviews, but I've never been interviewed by my Jewish mother. So, this is going to be a first. Well, they, the the audience has to know that uh, we are friends for many years. He is a, a major supporter of mine. I couldn't do a lot of the work I do with that AJ. And uh, he is just known all over Washington, all over the country. And many of the people that you admire so much in the media, many of the important people in Washington who are public figures and elected officials got their starts with AJ. So to all these people who want to... Uh, Make America great again, because unfortunately we have to say that, or save America. They owe a lot of this now to AJ, because he's working 24-7 behind the scenes to make sure it happens. But we're here to discuss The Woking Dead, and it couldn't come at a better time, because recently uh, President Biden uh, has now used another, I don't know where he comes up with this, but his powers that be to give Generation X more money that they don't need or uh, through the student loans as he is uh, forgiving them. And 
between that and the other bills with all the money he's giving away, we have a generation that doesn't know how to be self-sufficient and independent and proud. So tell us about The Woking Dead. Well, uh, so one one stipulation there, the, the, uh, the people he bailed out was Gen Z, not Gen X. Gen X actually paid their bills. Um, you know, the boomers paid their bills. So most of these people is Gen Y, which is millennial, which is me. Um, although I'm a geriatric millennial, I'm a, <laughs> I'm at the, I'm at the, the Northern end of that. And, uh, Gen Z, uh, who are actually in college now, some of them, um, look, people that went to school that, uh, got dental degrees or veterinary degrees or engineering degrees, uh, some sort of applied sciences, whatever it is, STEM. Most of them were able to get a job when they left college, uh, even, even lawyers and business people. But the people that uh, majored in, you know, basket weaving and, you know, uh, lesbian poetry since World War II, uh, they're the people <laughs> that have useless degrees. They're the people that can't pay their loans off. So they're the people that you see um, sitting in Barnes and Noble reading, uh, you know, manga, which is this anime garbage, uh, instead of reading The Woking Dead, they should be reading The Woking Dead, but they're not because they are The Woking Dead. Uh, we just bailed them out. We just let them off the hook. So, you know, President Biden saying, you know, screw you to anyone who played by the rules. Um, take a hike. We're here. And look, they're buying votes. That's what this is. They're going to do things in the next 90 days, 60 days here um, to buy votes. The raid on Mar-a-Lago was to buy votes. A lot of people don't realize that. They're fundraising off of that. Um, the gigantic, ridiculous inflation bill that does nothing to help inflation is to buy votes. And the Woking Dead, yes, they are young people. But, you know, there are people out there of all stripes that are involved in cancel culture. They're involved in critical race theory. They're part of the LGBTQ mafia, trying to control our language and our pronouns. So um, they're not fans of America. Uh, they're not fans of Israel. And they want to change Western civilization. They want to sort of eradicate not only our history, but our Judeo-Christian uh, background and religion. I mean, it's look, they're attacking the rosary now, the rosary. And I'm Catholic uh, from Philadelphia. And the rosary is apparently an offensive object now. I mean, Cindy, I got to tell you. Salman Rushdie was just stabbed. He was stabbed because he critiqued Islam. He was stabbed because he critiqued a regime 33 years ago. And that's cancel culture. The left has a fatwa on us. So look, when cancel culture comes, guys, it doesn't just come always come from the left. It could come from radical Islam. I mean, we had a guy jump on stage and try to stab Lee Zeldin in New York. Got a guy jump on stage and try to stab Dave Chappelle uh, for his jokes in Los Angeles. They're giving out Brett Kavanaugh's home address. So when they come, if they can't get you digitally, if they can't demonetize you or deplatform you, they may come physically and, you know, the audience needs to be aware of that. Well, I, I have a fear, and we've discussed this, that even with all this going on, there's either going to be nobody coming out in November or everybody coming out in November. And seeing what went on in the New York primaries, you mentioned Lee Zeldin. You've barely heard anything in New York about Lee Zeldin's attack. And that really should have been front page news. If Lee Zeldin was Eric Swalwell or Adam Schiff, there would have already been a congressional hearing on this. And that person would have been like almost at the state guillotine, how they could do it. But because it was Lee Zeldin, I mean, you barely got an article out of it, except maybe sure. here or there in, in the right wing media. So, right. What are we going to do to change this? You work 24-7 with elected officials, with the biggest names in media, with the largest 
conservative nonprofit organizations, and you hear it from all ends, and your clients in your you know range from individuals to huge organizations. What can we do to change it? Right now, it seems like everything is against us. Well, it's a newsflash to uh, Liz Cheney and Adam, you know, Schmuckzinger. There is an insurrection going on in this country. It's not January 6th. It's parents. Parents are revolting. Parents are showing up at these teachers overthrowing school boards and, and upending, you know, the, the teachers union and fighting back against CRT and letting Gary into the letting Gary and Steve into the women's locker room. The pa- there is there is one if if the media would pay attention, there's a rebellion happening. It just happened in Florida. We had a, a ton of school districts that just flipped. It happened where I'm at, across the river from Swamp Central here in Northern Virginia. I mean, that with Yunkin. Parents have had it. They don't want this garbage pushed on their children. This is an 80% issue, which is what scares the hell out of them. I mean, this is something where you've got, you know, you and I, you've got Bill Maher, you've got Sean Hannity, you've got all kinds of people that don't normally agree saying, whoa, this LGBTQ mafia stuff and pushing this race stuff on us. Look, the left fought tooth and nail, and rightly so, to prevent separate but equal. And now they want to reinstitute separate but equal. So it's outrageous. It's regressive. Um, this was never just going to be about civil war statues. It's about so much more. They're coming for all of your fun. They already came for you medically. They locked you down. They injected you. They said no prom. They said no college graduation. They said no March madness, no fun. Now they're slow pumping this woke garbage into you and you need to fight back. You need to, you need to vote. You need to vote with your wallet. You know, you don't have to buy some of this garbage. If you don't like what Disney's doing or the NBA, turn it off. You know, there's plenty of options. So you don't reading your book. Yeah. I mean, look, if they don't want us as customers, you know, just be a customer of the Woking Dead. That's all you need. That's right. And the Woking Dead is available in all bookstores and Amazon. It's number one on Amazon. It comes out from Postal Press. And uh, what is the one lesson or the one takeaway you want people to remember from the book that they're actually going to do something and engage in after reading the book? Well, look, this is not new. And, you know, we've been fighting this sort of battle against cultural Marxism for about 100 years. Even before World War I, the left knew that they weren't going to get a bunch of plumbers and carpenters to overthrow the government because those people love their country. However, what they did do is they infiltrated academia, teachers unions, they infiltrated our entertainment, they infiltrated the Democrat Party, and they infiltrated, uh, you know, Hollywood and the media, right? So sound familiar? The only thing that they've got now that they didn't have then, which allows them to move way quicker, is big tech. So, you know, gird your loins, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're, we've got to fight back. We've got to get on different platforms. We need to not let them suppress us. Conservatives are being innovators. They're creating new spots where you can get great content like this show here. So don't, don't just think that YouTube is the end all and be all or Google or Twitter. Find your voice and, you know, get out there in November, get a copy of the, of the Woking Dead, wave it around on those phony poll watchers' faces. Uh, AJ, you just recently wrote an article about te- the hiring of teachers. Tell everybody about that. You wanted to, you know, I still say we're losing the education battle. And you've been there with me since uh, many years when I started mm-hmm. writing and everything about it. I still have a hard time getting my story out because it's old news. But yet, it's just as important because we're not accomplishing. We're not winning. Maybe in Florida they're winning. But in New York, even in red areas, Moms for Liberty tried to get on school boards and the teachers unions won. Sure. Well, I mean, the Minnesota Minnesota teachers union voted last week to, if they 
if they have to fire people, they're going to fire white people first. Now, I'm not Alan Dershowitz, but I've got to think that the Equal Protection Clause, uh, that, that under the Equal Protection Clause, there's no way that's constitutional. I mean, that is basically a version of the colored water fountains. That's a, I mean, that that is them reaching into the past, bringing it all the way forward, and you know, doing what the what the South did, you know, sixty years ago. So it's outrageous. We wrote about it. You can read that piece over at theamericanthinker.com. But that's the Woking Dead. These are the people that have got your children captured, little skulls full of mush, and they're slow pumping this CRT garbage into them and telling them they're terrible, their country sucks. Uh, George Washington was a, was a Klansman. This is, this is their methodology, right? As they run around the country renaming every elementary school Barack Obama Elementary. Outrageous. Again, The Woking Dead and A.J. Rice, where can people reach out to you? Look, you can go to publiuspr.com. If you have a project and you want to get out there and get some media, that's what we do. That's our bread and butter. To buy The Woking Dead, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Target, Walmart.com. I think Cindy's uh, handing them out at synagogue this week. Uh, So I think she's got a She's got a she's got a trunk full of them, I think. So <laughs> more than a trunk. I mean, I think I ordered them was six months ago. <laughs> well, we are, we appreciate you. Look, you're my surrogate mother, but you're also a patriot, and so is your audience. Thank you so much for saying that because uh, I couldn't do it without people like you supporting me. And you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy, as you know that. Mm-hmm. Even though we you like the brisket, I know. I love it all. Send me some of that kugel. Exactly. AJ Rice, you're always welcome back. You know that. And uh, we look forward to hearing more, reading more of your articles. You are a contributor everywhere. You are a regular all over the media because you know everybody. And you have, you know, basically you have the knowledge to uh, give good advice to people that what to do in the next couple of years because we're really falling upon you. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp's spirit and liqueur portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. Welcome back to The Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. Joining us now is an award-winning actress and filmmaker, She, like myself, is a very outspoken advocate for education improvements, school choice and education freedoms. And like me, a huge Zionist and a big supporter of Israel and Judeo-Christian values. And of course, you recognize her last name. She is the wife of actor Kevin Sorbo. They've done a lot of work together. They have three beautiful children. She is a very popular podcaster. And Sam Sorbo, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. It's fun to be here with you. So it's that time of year when we go back to school and we all have these new years and new resolutions. And of course, this year it ties into so many important elections. And my listeners and followers and my viewers know that I am involved in the longest running lawsuit with Randy Weingarten. I actually called that CRT before it was even common core and all the corruption and scandals that are tied to especially public schools and minority neighborhoods. And you are one of the most outspoken advocates for school choice. How did you get involved in that? 
So I, I'm actually an outspoken advocate for home learning. Uh, I don't even call it homeschooling anymore because schools are are really perpetrating child abuse at this point. Um, and and this has been going on for a very long time. If, in other words, if you look at what the schools are doing today with critical race theory, with um, all the gender gender theory, uh, the pornography in the classrooms and all of this stuff, you have to concede that this is the the culmination of everything that came before. And so everything that came before is now tainted with this, uh, uh, you know, lunacy, if you will. So what were they doing before? And well, you and I went to school, right? Well, we were actually being abused in the school system. We just didn't call it that because we didn't realize that that's what it was. So right now we have we have a big problem because there are a lot of parents who want to take their kids out of the system. They see that that's child abuse and they say that is not acceptable to me. But what else am I going to do? I don't know how to homeschool. I'm completely incapable. But that's not true. That's a lie that they were taught in school because the schools want to have the shackles on us. The schools want us to be under their thumb, so to speak. The schools want control, okay? And because we were sub- subjected to that, we were submitted into that system when we were four and five years old, it becomes very difficult for us to extricate ourselves from that. So, you know, I used to say, parents would say, well, I, I don't know how to homeschool. I don't know how to do it. And I'd say, okay, you don't know how to do it, but you graduated high school, right? Yeah, but you you feel incapable to teach a fourth grader. Yeah, but you're willing to send the fourth grader into the same system that, I don't know, turned out the likes of you and is arguably worse today than it was. I mean, let's face it, we're 30th in the world. We're the United States of America. We spend more money than almost every other nation, if not every other nation. And we're 30th in the world for all of our toil and trouble. Uh, we're not getting the job of education done in the schools. No, Why are we then sending children to school? So I want to touch on three points you mentioned, what I know. You know, first of all, everybody's saying that you need public schools because of socializing. Well, socializing in school <laughs> the past 20 years has made a generation of people who think they could run and steal in store after store, expect the government to pay for everything, don't want to get married and want to be dependent and live in their parents' basements and don't well, want thing. to get a job. Define socialization. Define it. Exactly. It, it, they can't even define it. It's this ethereal thing that somehow children, you know, magically become social in school. That's not true. Your child will either be, uh, you know, the bully or your child will be the extreme bullied or somewhere in between. And and there's no guarantee of anything. But to to send your child into an environment where he's surrounded by children of his age and think that he's going to learn something about how to properly socialize. That's absurd. Just listen to yourselves. But what happens is, Cindy, look, we are in a a moment right now of trust the experts. Right. Trust the experts is what we learn in school. That's that's the that's the main that's. That's the main drug that we've been fed on and weaned on for 12 years of, you know, pre-college education is trust the expert. And the the reason I say that is because the school has three foundational lessons that it imbues into every student. And those lessons are don't ask, don't try, don't think. So why do I say that? Because the first thing that you learn in school, what do you have to do in order to ask a question? You have to raise your hand, right? That's right. Everybody knows this. In fact, a lot of people actually do it when I ask it, when I'm speaking to groups and stuff, they'll actually raise their hand. More than students today, I could tell you that much. They just scream it out because they have no kind of respect and self-discipline. But the problem with raising your hand to ask a question is it's a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And the lesson that is learned from that is don't ask because it takes effort. To call attention to yourself, to show, okay, I'm the dumb one. I have a question. 
to ask a question that you think may be worthwhile. And the teacher says, oh, there are no stupid questions. We all know there are. So don't lie to us. That's fine. But there's a fear, right? It's a barrier to entry. So the lesson that you learn is don't ask. Don't try is learned because failure is bad. Failure is not bad. Edison said, I learned 10,000. I never, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Okay. Failure is not bad. Not getting up when you fail and trying again is bad. Right. But we, we teach failure is bad and therefore don't try. So don't ask, don't try. And then finally, the number one uh, question now that students ask is, will this be on the exam? Because they only want to have to learn. Correct. And I put learn in air quotes there. They only want to have to learn what they need to know to pass the exam. And so the 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 foundational lessons that children learn in school are actually actually anti-education. They're the opposite of education. So if you want your child to get an education, please don't send them to school. That's right. And then the other uh, things that you brought up about we're number 30th, go into other countries that are much higher than us in their success rates. There's parent accountability. You're not allowed to say parent accountability because it means votes. And it means the possibility that the teachers unions will lose power and that the government will lose power over their parents. Also, you talk about um, school class sizes, you know, school uh, class sizes in a lot of those countries are much bigger. So a lot of the things that we are told about that is supposed to make public school a success is actually a lie that is taught in teachers training programs and just re-spit out in lessons across the, the country. Fair enough. I just, you know, I, I remember I got pulled out of, uh, after church one day, I had just written my book, There Your Kids, um, an inspirational journey from self-doubter to homeschool advocate. And so I was becoming known as the homeschool mom. And some gal walked up to me and said, you're that homeschool lady, right? Here, talk to my husband. And she brings me over to her husband, who's this big hulky guy, looks down on me and he says, why should I home? Why should I homeschool my kids? Just just shortcut it for me. One sentence. And I said, well, I don't think that children belong in an institution. Do yours? We're the we're the first advanced society that institutionalizes our healthy children. That's right. That's right. And well, since you showed your book, here's my book, everything you need to know about today's public school education. And it's called Rubber Room Romance. It was written six years ago, but it's even more timely today, because as we were discussing before we started airing, uh, Florida has been making uh, roadways in the success of children and legislation and protecting parents' rights and children's rights, whether it's mass mandates or the curriculum. But around the country, we're not seeing that success. We just saw uh, Minnesota just say they're going to do a hiring, firing practice based on the color of teachers' skins. This went on in the school district that I worked on, for, uh, worked in for years, and is still going on. Uh, a lot of parents had tried to get on to school boards lost in their elections because the teachers' unions outspent the grassroots groups. So while we are getting some attention, we are not overall winning the battle. So tell us, how do you think we could win this battle? Yeah, pull your kids out of school. If you if you keep your kids out of school, the school is starved for money and you have a better relationship with your child. But here's here's where this goes off the rails. And, and you're a school teacher, right? So this might go a little bit contrary to your your beliefs about education, but education is about so much more than academics. And we've bought into this lie that somehow if you stuff a child full of facts and figures, they will become somewhat, you know, quote unquote, successful. And there's the lie that success is equivalent to money. And don't tell me that that's not out there because that's everything that the schools believe in is money founded and money based because college prep and career readiness is what it's all about. And so any, any school worth its salt will say our kids get into Harvard, our kids go to Yale, our kids go to Princeton, whatever. And, and that's the Holy grail. And why, why do you want to get into the best school possible? Because you want the best job possible because you want the job to pay the most money. That's what it's all about. Right. Right. 
But that's a lie because money doesn't buy happiness. I know that sounds trite, but it's the truth. And so what we really ought to do is take a step back and redefine Mm -hmm. the way we think about education, redefine the term the way that it really should be defined. And that is the whole child. And so that's why I advocate for home learning and I don't advocate for children to be submitted to an institution to somehow maybe hopefully learn how to be a productive individual. Now, if you look at the results of the schools today, you'll see that there's a there's a a growing, uh, at least a growing minority, if not majority of students who graduate and can't and can't hold a job, much less have a career. Right. So the so the college uh, college career what is it? College prep and career readiness. So the career readiness aspect of that whole promise is hooey. And then you go back to, well, what's college prep? Well, college prep is really just convincing the parents and the child to go spend a lot of money on college. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. Right. You pay in at the bottom and then hopefully one day you're going to get a big cash windfall and be able to pay back all the money you borrowed. And now, of course, Biden is paying everybody's student loans with your money and my money. Thank you very much. Don't, it's not debt forgiveness. It's debt transferal. Okay. That's all that is. It's transferring the debt to you and me and the taxpayer and the people who went to college and paid their debts and got good jobs and worked their whole lives. And now they get to pay for other people to go to a drinking frat house for four years and not be able to hold down a job and not be able to pay their, anyway, I go off on a tangent. Well, and, and so it's the same thing with the, the um, and it's what? the same thing with the illegals that are being put into the blue state schools, especially like where I am in New York. Well, it's, they have to do that because then they can at least get get that money, right? Correct. And, and unfortunately, sadly, the uh, illegal citizens, maybe maybe many of them, don't even recognize that that's not the best place for their kids. And they think that they're grasping the American dream by having their kids in an American school, but that's not the case, especially with what's going on now. But what's come before is this, this, um, this transmutation of what education is and should be and the theft of the parents from the child and the theft of the child from the parents and, and the, um, the theft of the family the family mm-hmm. from our culture so that we are a largely unparented society at this point. We don't know how to parent. We don't know how to be parents. We don't know how to, how to, how to forge a family relationship because we were not exposed to it growing right. up. And our parents also weren't exposed to it and their parents. And so now it's generational and we're, we're kind of stuck here, but this is what, this is, this is where I come in, Right. So people can go to samsorbo.com. I do a lot of teaching on this. And my goal is to set parents free from the shackles of our modern schools school system, because you don't have to be shackled to this, um, this industrial, uh, uh, industrial revolution, uh, sort of, you know, Marxist indoctrination center. There's just no, no cause for it. And in fact, once you step outside of that paradigm, you will find life gets a whole lot sweeter and a whole lot more rewarding. And so that's what I teach on. And I, I run, um, I run conferences. I've got two coming up. One's in, uh, January and another in April in the great state of Florida. So feel free to come visit us in Florida and come to the conferences. If you go to samsorbo.com, you'll see everything there. This is the playbook on home learning, which I did called, um, it's underground education is my online community. It's free to join and you can talk to parents who are sort of cracking this nut themselves and other parents who have already been through it, who are there, who are answering people's questions and offering um, helpful advice and stuff like that. My playbook for home learning is really the, the tool that I developed to, to facilitate the parents rethinking the way that they think about education. Because I know when I say that, it's like, yeah, uh, what does that, like, how do I do that? And it's hard because we only think about education, what we were taught to think about education. We all went to school and we all learned that education looks like a teacher standing at a blackboard and a child taking notes or whatever. And, and by the way, nobody ever taught us how to take notes. They just said, take notes. And somehow we're supposed to know how to take notes. 
Um, so there's a way around all of that. There's a there's an escape. And that's why I called it underground education, because I'm helping people escape the plantation of the modern schools. So for the modern day Harriet Tubman, I just wanted to add in when I was started to say about immigration, you know, everybody's grandparents, great grandparents who came through Ellis Island, they also were a lot of them immigrants with nothing, but they went to schools for education. Today, people look at education, especially our public education, as babysitting centers, as places where they get free lunches, summer programs, everything but education. And I will just say, I know you and your husband are close with the former president and support President Trump and his policies and his uh, tenure. And when he was running in 2015, he was talking a lot about eliminating the Department of Education, especially on a federal level. And I just hope now that a lot of this has been exposed, that whoever gets in as 47 It could be your current governor. We're hearing a lot of rumors. It could be President Trump again, whoever it is. And and as we flip the House and Senate, hopefully in November and take over state and local governments, we actually look to eliminate local, state and federal interaction with our school systems. And the best way is through homeschooling and talking to other school um, pe- uh, people who homeschool, just like you advocate. It is so well, Cindy, important. I mean, I will say that I think that there's a tremendous opportunity right now with the um, with the Supreme Court decision to return Roe v. Wade to a state's rights issue, uh, the Supreme Court decision on Coach Kennedy being allowed to practice his religion personally on the field, um, and that decision, by the way, uh, the decision in Maine, actually, that the Supreme Court weighed in on saying that the funding had to go equally if it was if it was requested to go to a religious school as a quote unquote non-religious school or secular school. I think that they're standing to make the argument that there is that that there is only religious schools. In other words, Every school is a religious school because a school seeks to indoctrinate. Absolutely. What is indoctrination? Indoctrination is taking the doctrine or the value set that you have and Im- imbuing it in the child. In, in, and so the child then adopts that, that doctrine. Okay. Well, the public schools have been indoctrinating children since inception because that's what education is. That's, that's actually what educate like the the you know we we don't even know how to define these terms much less have this conversation it's crazy to me but so i i hold the the point that every school is a religious school and for that reason for the establishment clause the federal government has no right to be in the school business whatsoever and I- because of these recent decisions and the um, what seems to be a little bit the predisposition of the Supreme Court, I think I think we could advance this uh, football down the field. And I'm working with uh, several different factions who are investigating that because it's a new argument that has not been brought. Um, we need that we're running seen. out of time. We didn't even touch on Israel and your love for the uh, Judeo-Christian values and family and faith. So we're going to have you back just to talk about your Zionism, because I am a, everybody who knows me knows I am a huge Zionist and I work with many of the major Zionists around the world. I've been doing it for years and uh, we've got to, well, I just want to tell you, people, I want to encourage people. Israel is a, it's a magical trip. We are organizing an Israel trip uh, and you're invited um, to Israel in May, which is like the perfect time of year to go to Israel. We call it walking in the footsteps of Jesus. We visit all of the historics. Well, all of the, we visit many of the historic sites. Um, and then there's, there are other facets of the trip. And if people go to samsorbo.com or actually if they go to sorbostudios.com or sorboisraeltrip.com, they can see all of the details there. And um, it's filling up fast. What's crazy with Israel right now is after three years, basically, of being shut down, now that they've opened up, 
they are they're booked They're The hotel rooms are booked through 2024. Like we're lucky that we have the slots that we have, but we have to like guarantee them pretty soon because they'll just sell them somewhere else. And so we're selling out fast, which is very cool. But but we'd love for you to join us. So um, or your listeners, I should say. Um, so they just go to sorboisraeltrip.com for more information. It's going to be a phenomenal trip. What's amazing is we have people who came with us on our last trip and they're coming back. We have and a that's going to be we fun. have to end this. Um, I wish uh, we have to get to commercial. So Sam Sorbo, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back again. We want updates. As everybody knows, this is my baby education. I lived, breathed, and died the corruption firsthand. I know what our schools are doing to kill America. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you. The folks at Royal Wine Corp, the largest manufacturer, importer, and exporter of kosher wine, offers wines from all over the world in every price point. Founded in 1848, Royal Wine Corp's mission is to be the premier manufacturer, importer, and distributor of specialty wines, spirits, and liqueurs from around the world. The commitment to perfection and family tradition spans over eight generations and has experienced growth since its beginning. Royal's portfolio of domestic and international wines ranges from traditional wine-producing regions of France, Italy, and Spain to up-and-coming ones like Israel, New Zealand, and Argentina. Additionally, Royal Wine Corp's spirit and liqueur portfolio offers some of the most sought-after scotches, bourbons, tequilas, and vodkas, as well as hard-to-find specialty items such as flavored brandies and liqueurs. To find out more, visit the Royal Wine website and find out where you can pick up all your wine needs or order online with discounts on many favorites. Thank you for joining us and for telling us what we need to know about wines for this holiday season. Of course, it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to uh, the upcoming holidays and Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Uh, as you know, Cindy, uh, we have that tradition uh, in Judaism to wish one another uh, a sweet New Year. And uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why we use honey and we dip the, the apple in the, in the honey and even the challah in the honey depending on the custom uh, on Rosh Hashanah and even on the following holidays uh, until the end of, uh, of Sukkot and Sukkot Torah uh, is to uh, we are wishing for a sweet year for a year of blessings uh, on every possible uh, account uh, so Sweet wines, dessert wines, are very popular for Shoshana for that very same uh, reason. So I would like to introduce uh, our listeners, viewers, uh, this uh, new wine from Hungary. It's from the Toke region uh, of Hungary. This is very, very well-known, very famous region, uh, which for hundreds of years uh, has produced some of the world's most prized, most sought-after uh, dessert wines uh, and there is a big part of it that is uh, history uh, in terms of Jewish life uh, and Jewish heritage because many of those wineries uh, in the Toke region uh, were actually owned by Jews uh, up until uh, uh, the war, World War II, the Holocaust uh the, the Jews were a very big part uh, of that industry. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not that much the case anymore. Uh, however, there is still a lot of uh, great dessert wines produced there. And uh, we're very happy to have, once again, after many, many years, uh, a kosher toke. So this is the toke regal from Laufer Select uh, from Kerister, Hungary. Uh, it's a delicious uh, wine, luscious, uh, made from uh, late harvested uh, ferment grapes. Uh, it's absolutely amazing uh, whether you drink it uh, with the apple and honey or an apple pie or uh, a honey cake uh, for desserts on Rosh Hashanah or anytime you want. Uh, this is really a delicious wine. It's got bright acidity to it to keep it from being cloying, from being too sweet. Uh, and uh, for people who you know like to collect wine and age their wine, this is also a wine that can be put away and it will evolve and gain even more complexity and sophisticated flavors to it for many years to come. 
Thank you, Gabe Geller from Royal Wine. My great pleasure, Cindy. See you soon. Before we close, as I promised, every week I'm going to remember somebody who perished in the Holocaust because we must never forget the same way we should never forget slavery, human trafficking, 9-11, and every other atrocity and hate crime so that we all learn, we all get along, and we all move forward together. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Enrico Angel, who was born on April 30th, 1935. He was the second son of Ida and Isaac Angel. He had an older brother named Raymond, and they were born and lived in Greece. In 1940, he moved with his families to Athens from a small city, figuring that they could live easier there. But in 1941, the Nazis occupied Greece, and soon enough, the deportations to Auschwitz happened, and it is unknown what happened to his brothers or him and what happened on their journey and what happened to them in Auschwitz, but he was one of the few Jews to survive a while in Auschwitz when he arrived at the camp, but eventually he was gassed to death. And he was just nine years old. I received this information from a group called Angels of the Holocaust. And I suggest every time you look around the world and see all the craziest going on, you sit down with your children, your neighbors, and you think about how lucky you are that you were not an Auschwitz. This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones, available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.